like I'm saying, I have a friend of mine, and I thank him so much for coming on tonight. Uh-huh. And he'll be on shortly. Within two or three minutes, we're going to put my uh, special guests on. And uh, then we'll start to go from there. We'll take questions later and maybe phone calls later. All depends how Jeffrey Irving wants to handle it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I should uh, get an introduction. I should do the introduction for uh, Jeffrey Irving in the only Oak Island way that he's used to hearing maybe back in season three. I mean, that's four four years ago, and I'm going to try to do my best. As you would see and picture your mind, the members, picture the Oak Island in the ocean as you're watching the program. Are you, are you guys ready? Here it goes. There is an island in the North Atlantic where people have been looking for an incredible treasure for more than 200 years. So far, they have found a stone slab with strange symbols carved into it, fragments of human bone, and a lead cross whose origin may stretch back to the days of the Knights Templar. To date, six men have died trying to solve this mystery, and according to legend, one more will have to die before the treasure can be found. And on that note, here is my good friend, Jeffrey Irving. Hello, Jeffrey. Hey, John and Jeff. How are you both tonight? And thank you for inviting me to your show, Quest of Oak Island members. It is very good to be here. Okay. I have followed the progress of this site since uh, it's very, I think, first day. And, John, I just want to – one of the first things I want to say is that I'm so proud of, you know, where you started and uh, and where you've you've taken this 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 group um it has quickly become you know one of the best groups out there one of the fastest growing groups and uh and i'm just i'm just proud of you john i i really really am and uh you know you've done an amazing effort well i thank you uh jeffrey and i thank you so much for joining our uh quest of oak island crew tonight i thank you so much uh you were in my mind the minute I upgraded this little studio. Right on. But of course, (laughs) but of course, uh, the other Jeff helped me with the technology of the whole unit. Just a little bit, just a little bit. And you know, bothering him and calling him how to do this and how to do that. (laughs) But Jeffrey Irving, you were on my mind to get on this show from the day one when I was going to do this Facebook Live, even though Joan McGinnis sort of beat you to it, but. uh, uh, I had an opportunity to interview Joe McGinnis, mm-hmm. and that was my first little interview. But obviously, I wanted you, but you know, timing and getting together, and according to scheduling, I'm just glad you're here tonight. Yep, I am too. I'm Welcome. not offended. She, she's a much bigger star than I am. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yep, we go back to like 2016, me and Jeffrey, uh, the members. And, well, I'm, uh, I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, you, know, you used to uh, give me a call on Tuesday nights on the QT, and that's how we saw the uh, Oak Island program on Tuesday nights. Not all these uh, 
programs that you can get the programs through this site and that site and this mm-hmm. site. And that's how he saw it on Tuesdays and didn't have to wait till Sunday. Remember, Jeff? Oh, Three? believe me, I, I remember it well. Uh, I remember, <laughs> and this would be embarrassing for you, John. Okay. But, but, but it's a good story. All right, Jeff. Uh, I remember the day you sent me the request. Oh, my God. To join your group. And you had no members. I was the first person you asked to join your group. And I was thinking to myself, and, and it was in the heyday. And, right. And in season three, I don't know, most people will remember. Um, but across the various groups, there was the sword gate, you know, the famous Roman sword gate. Yeah, correct. And that occupied everything. Guys like me would get on and we would get, one minute of group time and the rest would be nothing but sword gate. Mm-hmm. And at the time I got this request from John, total stranger, didn't own from a whole wall. <laughs> hey, right. will you help me build a site? I want to build a site. And I'm thinking, and, and embarrassingly at that time I was thinking, yep, that's exactly what we need is just another site, you know, because there was <laughs> yeah. a bunch of startups. Right. And, and I remember that I, that I politely declined. Okay. And, and then, but you asked me again and, <laughs> and I had calmed down because I think you just had hit me in the middle of all that stuff. Right. And I remembered, yes, John, I'll, I'll gladly help you because you were, you were a virgin Oak Islander at that point. Oh in my time. God. I'm a, <laughs> I, I was a virgin acorn. Exactly. And just I thought, nearly you dropped know what? From the tree. This guy wants to build a site. <laughs> Why would I not help him? And and look where you are now. And I, I, you know, I, I gave you the photo that was taken of the day, you know, I was there presenting and it's still hanging on your, you know, page. Yeah, right up behind him on the and wall. I there. Know you know the real meaning as to why it's there. And right. And I've you know, always the, supported it. And, you know, uh, Jeffrey, I'll never take that picture off. No. And, and I, you know and how I, many, you know how many PMs I have received? Now I'm getting close to 60,000 members, and they're very active, very active. Yep. Who is the guy in the purple shirt? <laughs> exactly. I says, oh, my God. So I said, today, this crew, members, if you see it now or see it during the week, this is the guy in the purple shirt. Exactly. <laughs> and, and I actually thought I still had the purple shirt because I wanted to dig it out. No, I don't <laughs> have the purple today. shirt. I've still got the red sweater, though. That I that yeah. I wore on the show, on top of the red or the purple shirt, and it was funny because uh, I chose that sweater because it says Saint Croix Golf and Country Club. Okay, mm-hmm. and that is like I live in Saint Andrews, New Brunswick. I look out my window, like I'm doing right now, and I see the coast of Maine across oh, the Saint nice. Croix River, and so Oak Island really is an international story correct but it has a lot of canadian significance it has Mm -hmm. a lot of american significance and so for me 
The St. Croix Golf and Country Club is a club for Canadians and Americans. And it's the St. Croix, which ties in the Champlain, which ties in the Templars and, you know, which, you know, St. Croix is obviously French for the cross. So I can go off on that tangent, but I won't. But that's why I chose that sweater is just because it did have a, a personal meaning to me. So, as I said, I should have wore it tonight, but it's actually hot here in St. Andrews, so this is not sweater <laughs> weather. about fair sweater? Yeah. Right. It's still uh, pretty warm here in New York also. Yeah, as well but, as here. Yeah, but also, Jeff, uh, can you tell my members sort of the, not the background, but a lot of people have seen the show, obviously, 3.7 yes. million per week for now seven seasons. Yep. Can you tell us like how they approached you and how you got approached to be on the show, like the backstory that we don't see leading up to your uh, theory into the war room? Well, um, yeah, I mean, it. Uh, a, a lot of people have, have called it an accidental happening. Um, that was one of the terms. Okay. Um, I was actually in Nova Scotia. Uh, taking my mother on a bucket list tour. She always wanted to tour the entire coast of Nova Scotia. And, and I had done a fair bit of research on a book that I'm writing. And, and the book is not about Oak Island, but it features Oak Island. The, the actual book that I'm writing is about the, the Templar artifacts and the Templar treasure and, and what happened to it and how it came to North America. Yeah. So, I was knee deep in the history at that point in time. Um, I didn't even know Oak Island was on TV until season two. And I had done a bunch of research right after Dan Brown's book came out. And I really picked Dan Brown's book apart. And in that process, I discovered something quite significant and i'll say it now because i'll probably remember because as you know i can be pretty long-winded by times um (laughs) so i gotta remember what we're talking about which is why i ended up on oak island but anyway in that process i had wanted to go to oak island okay and and i thought i had something to offer and mom decided let's go on a 10-day vacation and I said, sure, let's go. Why not? There's no okay. reason not to. So I loaded up the car, loaded up my daughter, loaded up my mother, and away we went. And we did the entire coast of Nova Scotia, Cape Breton, the whole nine yards. And I timed it so we could stop in to Oak Island, okay, on Saturday to do the tour. So I had bought the tickets. Back then, you could still get tickets, okay? <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Not, you know you know, five minutes after they sell out, right? Yeah. Like today. And so uh, we had booked in to uh, the uh, Atlantica Resort, and uh, a little bird had whispered in my ear that that's where the cast, you know, were staying. Some of the cast were staying. And uh, so we happened to stay there. And as it turned out, um Mom and my daughter, Charlie, were off doing something. And then so I, you know, being a true maritimer, I headed off to the bar for a bite. So, and as I'm in there, uh, you know, Jack Begley walks in. And there's only the two of us in the bar. 
And really? I'm sitting there having a beer and Jack orders a burger about this big and, you know, about <laughs> twice the size of Jack. Okay. And I just casually looked over and I said, are you sure you're going to be able to handle that burger? And he just laughs and he said, you know, after a day like I've had, believe me, I can, uh, I can handle the burger. And as you know, Jack does all the dirty work on the island, right? He's the guy with the shovel in his hand 24-7. So, you know, he was pretty hungry. And... So we just struck up a conversation and uh, he said, uh, so what are you guys, you know, what are you doing here? Are you a tourist? What? I said, well, kind of. I said, I'm actually, you know, from New Brunswick, but, you know, taking mom on a bucket list and, and we're going to uh, Oak Island. He said, oh, well, you'll have fun with that. He said, uh, do you think we're wasting our time here or, <laughs> or what? And I said, well, I actually happen to have a, you know, a theory. And uh, three hours later and a couple points later, you know, Jack uh, says, you've got to meet the guys. Like, you have to, you have to come back and, and tell your story. Wow. And so uh, he, uh, the next day we did the tour. And at the end of the tour, um, which was an amazing tour at the time, and Charles Barkhouse uh, led it, as he usually does, and uh, Rick showed up and uh, Dan Blankenship and uh, there's a few others there at the time and uh, at the end of the conversation because Rick interviews one one of the things that struck me uh, that I thought was really cool and really describes the type of person Rick is is he interviewed every person on the tour at oh the end God. of the tour. Wow. Like nobody left the island without getting met by Rick. Wow. And he would say, what do you think went on here? Mm -hmm. And he That's would ask. Cool. And That's it didn't cool. matter if people stood there for five minutes or 20 minutes. He listened to everybody. Wow. So by the time it got to me, the next tour was ready to start, right? Oh, yeah. So anyway, Jack says, oh, hey, this is Jeff Irving. He's the guy you met before, or he's the guy I met the night before. And, you know, and so we had a five-minute conversation. And uh, he said, yeah, I, you know, why don't you come on back down and, and we'll have a sit down. And so I think it was three weeks later, uh, you know, I had a scheduled time to come in and, you know, met the producers of the show. And of course you go through the producers first, right? Right. And, uh, their first reaction was, uh, you got to cut this in half. You got to cut <laughs> so, this in half. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Too yeah. long winded. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> so anyway. So I went back to the hotel that night and uh, I started slashing and dicing, right. and, you know, cutting out stuff because, you know, I'd done a lot of research. Mine was not just about Christopher Columbus. I mean, I had the entire Oak Island story. Okay. Yep, and as it related to, to my book. Okay. And so anyway, uh, the next day came back in and, you know, four and a half hours worth of film later. And, oh my uh, God. Four and, yeah, and a half hours. Yes. And then, oh uh, you know, by the time the producers got it back to, you know, to California and they started slicing and dicing, I think I got eight minutes and 45 seconds. Right. <laughs> hey, so, still, you know, so, so none of the science that backs up my theory made the show. I'll put it that way. But, okay. but that's, but that's the nature of television um you know the curse of oak island is not a documentary 
You know what I mean? It's it's a television show. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the science behind all of our theories, doesn't matter who's on there, Court Lindell. I mean, there's been how many guests have been on there, right? Oh, my God. And and everybody has a lot of theories. And everybody has, you know, stacks of papers, you know, that that have, have created those theories. But there's just no time for it. It's just not in that in that format. You know, you can't let a guy like me on the show because you know it's it's forty minutes right of actual television, right. and you know I've already been talking for ten straight. So <laughs> you know that's that's just television. So I hear you. It's a very interesting story because mm-hmm. even I am getting more interested in the backstories before they even yeah. present. For some reason, I hear the presentation. But yes. I'm also, I also want like, okay, what's happening in the background with all these people? Are there 40 people there with the production company, sound booms, people are mic'd? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, it's a full production deal. It's a full I mean, production, right? But that's like any, any um, reality television show. And, yeah. and there's no double takes, which is very interesting. Oh, I okay? like that. I like, like that. If you, uh, every once in a while, if... You know, if I cough in the middle of a sentence, because sometimes that happens, right? You know, big sneeze in the middle of something, yeah. right? It's not yeah. like live TV where there is no, you know, if the cat jumps in my lap, well, I got to shoot <laughs> the cat off, right? But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but in in there, unless something like that happens, they're are very adamant about seeing it first. So right. one little thing about the production of the show where, you know, there's always the, the naysayers in any organization and oh, any course. group. Oh, it's fake and it's yeah. staged and all this. No, nobody goes out into the field with a shovel or anything like like when Gary, for example, goes out metal detecting. He right. doesn't go out alone. There's a camera with him. Right. So when he finds it. Right. They get the actual reaction. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. And and if it's really good, well, maybe we should wait and get Rick here or Marty okay. here. You know what right. I mean? Yep. Because they want it to be real. They want to give mm-hmm. you the real experience. And, and I thought that was a, a very neat technical yep, aspect to the show as well. You right. know, there's there's no scripts, you know. Mm-hmm. They they decide what makes the show. Right, right, the That's editors. Obvious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But right, the editors as, got us. Yeah, but there's no director saying. Then there's no cue cards yeah. being held <laughs> up. Oh, it's time to clap. You know, there's yeah. none of that foolishness, <laughs> right? So it is. It's it's a very well run organization, and I think for the nature of the show, I I don't really know how they could do better. You you know what I mean? I think it's as honest as you can make television. I right. mean, you know, you from a researcher's about. point of view, obviously, we'd all like more airtime. We'd like to explain oh, yeah. why my theory is what it is instead of just, well, Jeff Irving thinks Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Right. You know what I mean? But it, it's just not that type of a, a format. Mm-hmm. You know, if it was a science channel, I might get 45 minutes. But, you know, it's right. Not. But it's, it's just the ongoing treasure hunt. Yes. Just an ongoing everyday looking for that one thing or those two things to prove that they're not doing all this for nothing. There's actually something that could be there. Yes or no. 
And every day we go out searching, and they're showing that to us through the TV show. Exactly. And, you know, a lot of people don't understand that there, there's two aspects to it. You know, you've got Dave Blankenship in one corner who's dedicated his entire life to it, right? Correct. Um, for him, it's tangibles. Oh, sure. Right? Um, for Rick, well, let me rephrase that. Tangibles and answers, right? Oh, he he yeah. wants answers because yeah. at the end of the day, you'd really like to know what was going on. But, you know, Rick, I think everybody would love to find a box full of treasure. Let's be honest. Oh, That'd yeah. be really cool. Right. <laughs> oh my I, God. Believe me as much real life treasure hunting as I've done. And I found a fake treasure one time I was over the moon carrying that 50 pounds of unknown across the sand flats. Okay. I'm thinking I struck it rich, uh, but that's another story for another day. <laughs> so everybody wants to find treasure. Yeah. But I, you know, and Rick and I have talked about this. He, he wants answers. He just wants to, he wants to solve the mystery. And to him, that's more important than really what they find. He, yeah. he just wants, he wants everybody that has dedicated their lives to this to be validated. And that's Correct. an honorable mm -hmm. quest in itself. Right. Right, you exactly. know what I mean? Because, you know, how many people have failed? How many people have put their entire lives in it not to get that one piece of solid evidence to know? It's one thing to think you know, like I do on certain things, but it's another yeah. thing to have a piece in your hand to Correct. know. Yep. And also, so, also uh, Jeffrey... Um, what got me a little upset in the last part of last season is when, uh, God forbid, I mean, I know Dan passed away and bless his soul, but yep. when, when, when uh, Doug was researching, yep. and, and I talked to my co-host Jeff Friedman on this, when they went down to Dan's office, they were finding more new information in Dan's Blankenship's office. Do you have any kind of backstory on why wouldn't Dan share for 10 years all his files in his office, but wait till they pass until he goes through it now in 2020 yeah. to find new information in the file cabinet? That made no sense to me at all. I mean, if you're in a partnership for 10 years, you should say, okay, here's all my files. Go share it mm -hmm. and share alike. Can you give us any kind of insight on that, well, Jeffrey? You, you know, it's, it, it's like any age-old mystery. You always keep your cards close <laughs> yeah. to your chest, yep. right? No matter okay. what. Yeah. So, you know, you've got Fred Nolan. Correct. Right? And he's in direct competition with Dan for mm. all those years. Yeah. Right? So, and Fred only died the year before, yep. right? So, if I play a card, but I don't really know what that card means, the other guy might, right? You know what I mean? 
Like everybody sees things in different ways. So, you know, I don't know Dave Blankenship. You know, I don't know any of these guys. Right. Know them, know them, right? Yeah. I'm not there. I'm not part of the crew. I was a guest. So right. yeah. I am, other than conversation, and the island is very tight-lipped, okay? Well, there, there's not much sharing, okay? Right. Um, so as an observer, my answer to that would simply be that there's probably a lot of things in those filing cabinets and you've also got to remember, you know, Dan was no spring chicken, right? right. Yep. 90 yep. some years old. Yep. Yep. So can you remember every piece of document that you've got? You saw how big those filing cabinets were. Oh, yeah. Right. right. Yeah, There's thousands of documents in there. And, you know, Doug is going through them as we speak. Correct. You yep. know, and it could take a couple years. Mm. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. And... And I don't even think Dave was privy to everything that was in those documents. Right. You know, well, it, was just so, a it was just a question that came up uh, yeah. over, over and over to me when that, because they showed it, they showed it sure. when yep. uh, Dave's sister took over Dan's yep. house after he yep. passed away. Sure. Well, well, John, well, how come they didn't have all these files 10 years ago when they bought Tobias's shares to yeah. share all the research? And yeah. I says, I have no answer for you. Yeah. Like you, I just learn from the show that they give us that information. And yeah. I just go from there. Why didn't you share them? And I would tell them yeah. the story. Well, and, and you've also got to think about something too. Um, from a selfish point of view. Okay. Okay. A selfish point of view. And I'm not saying the man was selfish. Okay. But I'm thinking about myself. You know, I keep. I keep a lot of my information close to my chest yep. because I know there's a ton of other researchers out there. Okay. Um, Court Lindell, you know, touched on the possibility of, you know, the, the treasure being used to finance, you know, the, the war of independence. And we talked about that about five years ago, yeah. Jeffrey, remember? Yes, we did. Didn't we? <laughs> okay. He's not the only one that has that theory. Right. So, but until I'm ready to publish my book, yeah, you know what I mean. And I don't want to publish a wrong book. I'm still waiting for them to find one little shred of evidence that my Oak Island part of the story yep. might have some credence to it. Yeah. Okay. You. So you don't you don't tell everything because you want to figure it out, but Dan. Let's face it, he ran out of gas, yeah. really, at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah. His time, his treasure hunting days, because of his age, you, you know what I mean? And and the financial aspect of it. I mean, you know, so a bunch of guys come in all gung-ho and throwing some dollars around. Yeah. Are you going to give them everything? Maybe not. You right. know, if they're thinking they can do it, right? Well, prove it, boys. Yep. Why should I give you 50 years of my life for, mm, I'm not going to say nothing, but but you yep. know what I mean? It, yeah, it's I like, you. it's the pride aspect of things. Right. That's what it would be for me. It, yep. If I could help and be a part of it, yes. But at the same time, 
I, I'd almost like to have, if I spent 50 years in his position, I'd like to have the last word. I'd like to say, you know, Marty brings me one piece of the puzzle. Rick brings a piece of the puzzle yeah. and somebody else brings a piece of the puzzle and they can't put that puzzle together. I'd like to be the guy that says, this is what you're looking at. Yeah, you know, yeah, so would, yeah. maybe, maybe that's why I, I don't know. I'm just trying to think from a, a personal researcher, treasure right. hunter point of view. Right. You know that's why I, mean? I wanted to, that's why I wanted to ask you, Jeffrey, because yeah. you have a different aspect because you are a treasure hunter. Yes. Not like me. I'm just a viewer watching the show and whatever information sure. they give yep. me, I go for it. So that's why I, I couldn't wait to get you get on because I had a lot of questions more than normal on that when they showed that clip. Yeah. So, and, and I appreciate those questions and, I, and I'm sure everybody wants answers. Um, you know, you'll, you'll never get the real answer. I mean, obviously. Okay. Right. But you know, at the end of the day, I, I know what I would be like. And, yeah. you know, I think most people, that do that are probably that way. You know, we'll, we'll tell half the story and see if you can figure out the rest and, yeah. and hope you don't, because really I want to be the guy to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll take your 25% that you kick in, but I want to save that last 25 for me right. because, you know, after you put in all the effort, I don't want, I don't want somebody come in and say, Oh, well, it's this simple and go, right. Oh shit. He's right. Oh, damn. <laughs> that would suck. <laughs> you know, I hear you. So. I hear you. But, uh, what do you think now since season three, yeah. um, of the new technology they've been using and the new finds they've been finding and also about Smith's Cove. I got to ask you about Smith's Cove because they didn't find the thing out of 12,000 square feet of the beach, except for the cross. Now, the, you know, the, the, yeah. the cross was the big deal. Sure. And then they had the kick out of yeah. 50 by hundred, another 6,000 square feet. Yeah. That's 18,000 square feet of Smith's Cove. They came up with some spikes, yep. some pegs, some docks. What's well, your idea? What do you think about that? Why wasn't there anything really established Well, you got to remember. I mean, you've seen the old photos. Everybody's seen the old photos. Yeah. Um, and this goes back, you know, to um, the days when Paul Troutman's father was involved, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that end of the island was raped. I mean raped um there was not one piece of soil left unturned okay um you know i had a conversation with somebody one day about that and because i watched the old videos you know the home videos and to me i said that's not searching that's covering up okay yeah it could be and and that opinion was shared, okay? Um, so what's left that hasn't already been recovered, uh, could be out there somewhere? Right. Uh, I suspect there's a lot more things out there right. that, that we may never know about, okay? Okay. In my opinion, and, and I mean, you already let the cat out of the bag. You, you, you know, you and I had conversations a long time ago about what 
was there is is anything still there um to me there's been a lot of people there you know the basis of my ground level oak island theory is that it was a glorified bank vault that yeah. a lot of people have used over the years mm-hmm. that were in the know okay that's why you find so many things from so many eras right okay right so because i think there were multiple people there but then at the end when it was time to close the bank right i think it was i think it was destroyed i i really really do i think they tried to destroy as much real evidence as was possible and 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 that's what i'll be publishing you know at some point in time i would just like them to validate one or two points of mine but but the rest there's as much circumstantial evidence as you will ever get you know what i mean so in my mind i know the answer and i've got just more than just theory, you know, I have yeah. circumstantial evidence that, you know, is, is more than just coincidence on all kinds of fronts. So, so I'm happy. I would just like to find one or two more trinkets, you know, just, just to validate things. I mean, you know, obviously with Columbus, there's a lot more than just Columbus in my, in my book. Right. So uh, what does that, uh, Jeffrey, what does that do to your theory on the, on, on your Columbus theory that now we're getting more involved into what you're seeing with more things that you're searching. Does your Columbus theory still hold with you? In my opinion, yes. Okay. Okay. Um, Am I now one thing I've always said that, and I worded it very carefully on the show. I said Christopher Columbus was responsible for the Ark coming to Oak Island. Correct. Quote, unquote. I didn't say he was there with a shovel in his hand. Right. Okay. Right. I hear you. Okay. Um, And I believe it mentioned on the show about the, the partnership with the Real brothers, because they came over here and disappeared shortly thereafter. Um, since that time, I have some pretty exciting news, um, which I don't know if I shared with you or not, um, about Ponce de Leon and his involvement with Christopher Columbus. Because as you know, he came over on the second voyage, okay, with Christopher Columbus. I mean, the second voyage of Columbus was really quite important. They came with 85 ships and almost oh 1,100 God. men. Wow. Okay. And that doesn't get talked about. That doesn't get a lot of press time. Did you say 1,100 ships? No, no. I said 85 ships and almost 1,100 men. 85 ships. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. Right. So what were they all doing? (laughs) Okay. So the short version is that one... Do I think the Templars brought the 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 treasure over in the 1200s? No, I, I don't believe that. Okay. Um, do I think Oak Island was known to Europe at that time? 
Absolutely. And actually, yeah. I'll, I'm going to quote you something right now, which um, I don't think they actually said in the show. But I said, you know, in presentation. Um, first of all, the, the, the Irving family um, has, has been involved pretty much th- throughout history in the entire thing, um, in the Scottish and the Irish side. And then over here, uh, Roosevelt's grandmother happened to be in Irving. Um, okay. so it's of no shock to me that Washington Irving, you know, the famous American writer, yep. um, he wrote the very first biography, autobiography of Christopher Columbus. And he actually lived in Spain for two years studying, Columbus and he had access to all the archives and and he wrote a pretty fascinating book. And one point that I'm going to bring up. Already? Which is very odd to me. Um there's no mention of Ponce de Leon in the biography. Every other person that swabbed the deck is mentioned in the book, okay. but not Ponce de Leon. And this is the life of Christopher Columbus. And I thought, well, if you're going to keep a secret, don't talk about it. Correct. Yeah. It's real simple. You don't want somebody to know. Well, just don't mention it. Right? Yeah. So, so there's a connection there, I believe. But I want to get back to something that really kick-started my theory. And my, my theory was basically that there was pre-contact with Europe and this side of the ocean long before Columbus, long before Sinclair's, many, many years ago. I've always believed that. Um, but then I actually found a piece, a document that verified that. And, and I'm going to read it to you right now. Um, Columbus was on trial. And, and at the trial... Um, his partner on the first voyage, Martin Pinzon, his son testified in court. Okay. Okay. And this is, and this is what he read. He read that his father traveled to Rome and had an affair. And what I mean by a business affair. Okay. With, uh, you know, basically the Pope. Okay. The secretary of the Pope. And he he got an audience with uh, a person learned in cosmography who was in the service of Pope Innocent VIII. And being in the library of the Pope, this person showed him many documents. Hmm. But one was very important. For there was a passage by a historian as old as the time of Solomon. Oh, my God. Hmm. Okay? Interesting. And here's what it said. That if you navigate the Mediterranean Sea to the end of Spain and then and thence towards the setting sun, so traveling west, in a direction between north and south until 95 degrees of longitude, you will find the land of Sapango fertile and abundant and equal in greatness to Africa and Europe. 
Now, this is an original first edition of that biography. Okay. I also have a second edition where they changed the wording to be more colorful. Mm. Okay. They called the passage a prophecy. And they also mentioned that if you travel in the direction of the setting sun with a fair wind between north and south, you will find Sapango. That is very important. But let's get back to just the first way that the sentence was written. But the important part is the information dated to the time of Solomon, Mm -hmm. which basically indicates that they were here at the time of Solomon. Yeah. To the Western world. Yeah. Which is not unreasonable. Let's be honest. I mean, the Portuguese fishermen have been fishing for years. The Norse were over here. Right? They've already proven that on several occasions. So cross-Atlantic travel is ancient. It's nowhere near. It's just they don't have the documents to support it. But, But here's one. But here's the kicker. The 95 degrees doesn't make any sense. Okay? If you take today's meridian, it doesn't work. Okay? If you take the Ptolemaic meridian, it doesn't work. 95 degrees doesn't work. So I thought, that's odd. So, in my research with Columbus... I discovered that most of his education and real education, I mean book education, was, was done by a, a famous uh, geographer, astronomer, by the name of uh, Zacuto. He actually you know, was one of the first people that mapped the stars in relation to the calendar. Oh, my God. Okay? So on any given day, he knew where Mars would be. He knew where Neptune would be. He knew where all the constellations would be. Mm -hmm. And there's five navigational constellations. And he trained Christopher Columbus in all of this. Okay? So I got thinking about that. And he was based in Alexandria. And it's like, well, where did the ancient astronomy and where did the ancient math come from? And it's like, it's the Great Pyramids. Geometry was invented on the Great Pyramids. Yeah, it seems that way. So at that point in time, the Great Pyramids were considered the center of the Earth. Okay. Okay? So that's the meridian. The center of the Earth is the meridian. In the, in the uh, Jewish Targums, Jerusalem was considered the center of the Earth. They actually have a stone in Jerusalem that actually this week, 
okay? When the sun is at the highest, it casts no shadow. So they consider that the center of the earth. Well, mm. so is the Great Pyramid. This week, the sun will sit on top of it, and there won't be a shadow, yep. okay? So to them, that was the meridian. Now, here's the kicker. Remember I said 95 degrees? Yep. Well, Oak Island is located at 64 degrees west. And the Great Pyramids, I just have my Google Earth here loaded up. I know it, but I'll say it anyway, is located at 31 degrees east. Hmm. Interesting. Well, what's 64 and 31? I hear you. Big old nine-fiver. Ninety-five. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's exactly 95 degrees from Oak Island from the center pyramid, which is where all the old math was located. Hmm. I found that to be a pretty remarkable coincidence. Yep. Yeah. Very interesting. Okay. Yeah, right? Very interesting. Now, here's something else. Everybody always said that, you know, Christopher Columbus just discovered, you know, the North America by accident. He didn't know where he was going. Mm. And, and I kind of chuckled at that. There was a, a known fact that nobody has ever deciphered and nobody's published it yet. Okay. okay. Um, you know how degrees work, right? Degrees of latitude or and nautical miles to a degree. I don't know if either Stump. one of you have any sailing experience at all, okay? But not at all. Okay. Well, at the equator, well, I was in the navy, but I'm not a navigator. All right, in the middle of the earth, <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. There is sixty nautical miles to a degree. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. But if you sail up here, for example, you're not going to have as many nautical miles in right. the same degree, obviously, because yeah, it's okay. a shorter distance. I see it, Jeff. Read. So Christopher Columbus used 53.66 nautical miles to a degree in all his calculations. And everybody has said, oh, it's a Portuguese mile, it's an Arabic mile, it's an Italian mile. They're all full of crap. Nobody, <laughs> none of these people that are talking are sailors. Right. It's, it's really quite simple. And it's, it's so simple, it's scary. And it gets back to the second paragraph, the second edition of the same book, worded slightly differently. A fair wind in nautical miles is actually determined as the wind at the Tropic of Cancer, hmm. which is above the equator. Yep. Right? Tropic of Capricorn is in the south. Tropic of Cancer is in the north. Guess how many nautical miles are at the Tropic of Cancer? 53.66. So it's the favorable wind. Now, here's an even bigger kicker for you. You know what's really neat about the Tropic of Cancer? No idea. Okay. As you're sailing, here's your boat and here's a few sails. Okay. There's a boat on the ocean. Okay. At the Tropic of Cancer... It is the highest point in the northern hemisphere 
that the sun is directly above your head. If you go further, further north, the sun will only reach this point in the sky. Hmm. The further closer to the equator you go, it is further down here. Or sorry, the further north you go, the further south the sun is in the horizon, right? You follow me? Yep. Okay. So all Columbus had to do was sail west with the sun directly above his head, and he knew he'd hit land eventually. Makes sense. So yeah. all he had to do was follow the sun. Just Boys, the sun. keep the sun above your head. That's all you got to do. Don't sail over here. Make sure the sun is directly above the ship, and you will hit where we're going to go. Interesting. And guess what? At the end of that sun, when it sets, was a little island called San Salvador, which is exactly where he landed. Yep. He knew exactly where he was going. Why did he know exactly where he was going? Because he had the information from the Vatican, and he also married one of the Sinclairs. He was married to a Sinclair. Christopher and he was Columbus also was. Portuguese, by the way. His name wasn't even Christopher Columbus, but that's an hour-long mm. explanation. Right. <laughs> but he was actually, one of the reasons he was tried was for treason. And another thing that's not known about Christopher Columbus was that he actually sailed to Iceland, okay? And his son wrote uh, a book about that. And he was actually in Iceland uh, over the course of one winter, and he learned about all the, the Norse legends. And there is a, a paragraph in there where he, he sailed a thousand leagues. Well, a thousand leagues from Genoa, which was supposedly where he was from, would have actually put him in Nova Scotia if you convert the math. Uh, and I thought that was interesting as well. So if he had known about the Northern Passage, because you guys probably know you can't just sail from Europe to Nova Scotia, a straight line. It, it, it doesn't work that way. Right. You have to sail south. Okay. You have to take the winds and, there's another thing that uh, a lot of people don't know about, and it's called the Saragossa Sea. And it is a mass of seaweed that is out in the middle of the ocean. Oh. Because of the currents in the ocean, they travel in a circle out in the middle of the Atlantic, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Well, all that seaweed gets picked up on all the coasts coast of South America, coast of North America, the Northern Europe, Africa. So it's always traveling in a circle. And it gathers in the middle of the ocean. And there is what's called the Saragossa Sea. You cannot sail through that. And every sailor that comes from west to east and east to west knows that. You have to go around it. Fascinating. And that is mentioned in his book as well um, about the Saragossa Sea. And it is also mentioned in Pliny the Elder's stories. And that predates Christ as well. 
So mm-hmm. it backs up the Vatican documents about travel over here from the time of Solomon. So in my opinion, they knew what was over here. I think the Sinclairs came over. I think the Sinclairs did come mm-hmm. to Nova Scotia. I firmly believe so they yep, came over too. here. I don't think they brought the treasure with them. I think they came to to verify that what they believed was over here was over here. And did they do the mining on Oak Island? That is a very good, strong possibility. They mm-hmm. might have done the mining on it. Okay. And then right after the Sinclairs, of course, was the Black Plague. And everybody forgets about the Black Plague in Europe. Well, that Black Plague shut down all water travel because of the rats. You know, they thought the, the plague was, yep. was distributed by the rats. And ships were always full of rats. Mm-hmm. So all sea travel ceased, you know, mm-hmm. for 70-some years. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's no wonder that there was a wide gap between when the Sinclairs supposedly came over and Columbus finally took credit for being the first guy coming over. I don't believe he was the first guy over. Mm -hmm. I think he was just the first guy to make a declaration that he found it because he was claiming it. Then they but planned I after also, that, right? Then they planned after that, after that sort of scout mission. Exactly. And, and, that, and that's what I think he did. I think he scouted things out. Mm. Not on the first voyage, but on the second voyage. His son disappeared for three or four years. Ponce mm. de Leon has a gap in his history. And, you know, if we want to segue for a minute, if you don't mind, you know, let's talk about Ponce de Leon for a minute. Um Let's talk about the Overton Stone. Everybody mm-hmm. knows the Overton Stone, right? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, you know the symbol of the the cross. Um, that is a Portuguese cross, and it is a form of the Knights of Christ cross, or one of the other related uh, groups that were an amalgamation of the Knights Templar after 1307 and basically the Knights Hospitalier. Okay. The order of St. John the Baptist. Okay. And that's very important. Uh, And by the way, it is St. John the Baptist day here in Canada. So I'm I'm glad we're doing this because St. John the Baptist is very important. He is one of the Templars most revered people. And, he is also mentioned probably 20 times in this book. Um, Christopher Columbus really followed uh, the Virgin Mary, which is why he named the Virgin Islands after the Virgin Mary, um, the Thousand Virgins, which is another legend, and St. John the Baptist was, was very important to him. But that is also because Christopher Columbus was indeed a Templar, okay, or mm-hmm. Knights of Christ, more preferably called a Knights of Christ, because that was their actual name at that point in time. Mm-hmm. But names don't matter. It's always been the same group of people, yeah. in my opinion. Yep. And so Ponce de Leon, he was also in those same orders, okay? His family were in the same orders. Um, so you always follow your heritage. Well. Correct. Ponce de Leon is famous for coming, 
right? He was the first governor of Puerto Rico. What a lot of people don't know about uh, Ponce Leon is he was also a farmer. He actually raised cassava to make a living, mm-hmm. and he mined, and cassava is just an edible plant. Mm-hmm. Well, if you look at the okay. symbol on the Overton stone, you have the cross, and then you have what some people has referred to as a feather, but mm-hmm. I've studied the Mi'kmaq heritage here. Okay, uh, the two feathers that are important to their heritage are the bald eagle feather, feather, and the uh, turkey feather. Yeah, and Jeffrey, neither one of those feathers match. Jeffrey, I wish we had more information on the Migwas. I know. Yes, like we have heard nothing on their end or not their side, but more of their story. Um, I think is just as important as uh, as the rest. What do you think on that? Well, it's real simple. You're not going to dig a hole in the ground and bury a treasure of that importance, Mm -hmm. because in my opinion, it is the Templar treasure. So on top of the religious artifacts, you've got a wealth of gold. Correct. Um, You're not just going to dig a hole in the ground and walk away and leave it. That's just ludicrous, (laughs) right? I don't care if the hole's 200 feet deep, okay? (laughs) There's a back door on that island somewhere. They have a that, that's know. another. I that's agree. another question yeah. I got for you. Yeah. That's another. But 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 to yeah. answer your first question, <laughs> yeah. Okay. There's a lot of people that disappeared in history. Right. Right. Uh, the finance guy Juan Perez disappeared. He Whoa. came to the New World in the first voyage, and nobody ever heard of him. And Gone. I said, and I said that on the show. I said. Rick, would you ever lose track of Marty? And he'd go, hell no, man. He's got the money. And right. he was kidding, but you know what <laughs> yeah. I'm saying, right? And that's just a joke, guys. But it's yeah. the same thing. You don't lose track of Juan Perez. So why is there not one word of him after he set foot in the New World? He didn't die. Well, he did at some point in time. Right. So what was he doing? Well, right. probably guarding the money, maybe. Yeah. Okay. So he disappeared. You got 85 ships that came on the second voyage. Where'd they all go? Right? The reason there's no history is because they were keeping a secret. You want to keep a secret? You don't write about it. You know, you got to write a story. Columbus was famous for having two sets of books because he didn't want the people to know where he was because he wanted to make the land claims. Okay. Right. So the Indians just wanted to keep everything shush, shush. So if you're going to dig a hole and you're going to bury the treasure, you're going to leave some people behind. Well, what are those people going to do? They're going to become part of the Mi'kmaq Nation, which is probably why mm-hmm. 90% of their DNA today is all from Portugal, Spain, yep. Middle East, and most of their names are Portuguese, Spanish, yeah. French. Okay, because they blended in with the people. Now, the cover story, of course, is that later on when, you know, the explorers did settle up here. But, you know, I think if you talk to most of the elders, they will tell you that there's been a lot more people over here long before what's been recorded. And and one thing about 
English people, so I don't want to offend English, I'm Scotch-Irish, okay. is that they have a tendency to change the history books to suit their needs. Okay. Oh There's more French history in Canada than there is English history because the English people came and they fought the French. They kicked them out. You know what I mean? The whole Acadian story. Well, that Acadian story is an Acadian Mi'kmaq story too, right? You know what I mean? Right. So, you know, and that's a whole other can of worms. We right. won't the go Mi'kmaq, there. In the Mi'kmaq flag, obviously, yes. that, that was the main thing on the show. The, the flag is the well, opposite of the Templars. Well, it is a Templar flag. In fact, right. if, you, if you go to Port Royal, um, one of the guys that came over, uh, DeMonts, that came over with Champlain in 1604, that's actually his coat of arms. Really? Okay. And he was a Templar. So the history goes on and on and on and on. Yeah. Um, but I want to get back to the Overton Stone because this is quite important. Okay. Um, so Ponce de Leon, he, he raised cassava. So if you look at that plant, that resembles the actual leaf that is in that petroglyph. Um, he also raised plantains, which is the banana that is in that. It's not a crescent. It's Well, there is a crescent moon to the right of that again. And I'll get a picture of that just in case people forget what that looks like. Here, hang on just a sec. Okay. And uh, so that is that is my opinion of that symbol okay uh and i've been to the overton stone on many occasions okay let's just see if you can see that there okay yep. Yep, there so if you look at that symbol right there that is a plantain on the background and in my opinion a cassava leaf on the foreground and then, of course, you got your crescent moon, which is, you know, a Mi'kmaq symbol. Mi'kmaq, and then right. you've got your cross, which right. is also, if you look at that, do you see the significance? That is also a pointer. That's a navigational star. With north, the four holes. south, east, and west. With the four holes around it. Yeah. Okay. Now, yep. here's where that becomes important. I just told you how they got here from east to west right? Follow the sun and the moon. Okay. The moon phases. Now here's something that's pretty neat. One or, uh, Ponce de Leon came over in the second voyage and he's got like five years of unrecorded history in Whoa. between rape and the Caribbean of gold, which, yep. you know, all of it does not come home to the king. Right? Mm-hmm. Really? Right? Yeah, he puts, <laughs> puts a couple of pieces of gold in his boot once in a while. Yeah, exactly. Once in a while. Well, I'm going to show you Ponce Leon's signature. If I can find it here. Where'd it go? Right there. I want you to look at this. Okay. I want yeah. you to, I'm doing this backwards. So I want you to look at that symbol. Yeah. And that symbol. Okay, now just keep those two in your head just for a second. Okay, do, 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 do. interesting. Does that look familiar? Yep. Oh, does yep. that look familiar? 
There and you go. That looked familiar. Yep. Yeah. That's on the lower right hand side of the Overton Stone. Wow. <clears throat> so wow. that's Ponsteleon's signature. Yep. Now, I mentioned that to another researcher by the name of Scott Walter, and because I knew he had been over there, and he agreed. In fact, he actually published it that he thought that that was his signature as well. Oh, okay. um, but I discovered that four years ago at Christmas time. I was looking through different documents. It's like, oh my God, that's Ponce Leon's signature. Now, did Ponce Leon sit there and carve that on that stone? Absolutely <laughs> not. Right? right? Yeah. He's got more important things to do. But you ever watch the Pirates of the Caribbean movies? You know, Captain Jack, remember the two idiot Englishmen there that are always mm -hmm. on guard duty, sentry yeah. duty? Well, when you've got nothing to guard, what do you do? You sit and you doodle, okay? So whatever they were doing at the Overton Stone, I'm mm. sure it was the sentry that was sitting there carving symbols because yep. he had nothing better to do. Yep. But I'm going to tell you something that's pretty neat. The Overton Stone is at exactly 66.08 degrees west. Okay? Take a wild guess at what other location on the planet would also be at 66.08 degrees west. Just for fun. Take a wild guess. Anything? <laughs> San Juan de Batista. Really? San Juan, Puerto Rico. Who was named after, who was named by Ponce de Leon. And his compound, which is still sitting there today, mm -hmm. is at 66.08 degrees west. Okay? Unbelievable. Okay. Wow. And San Juan de Batista, San Juan is named after St. John the Baptist. So I'm glad you chose today to do the show. <laughs> so basically, they knew how to go this way. Mm -hmm. Real yep. simple. Yep. And if he left his front doorstep and sailed north and didn't stray one bit, he would hit dead center the, uh, the peninsula of Nova Scotia. Because from a north, if you tilt the globe north-south and sail up the coast, Nova Scotia would be shaped like this as you're sailing towards it from south. And Overton Stone, Yarmouth, is almost dead center in the middle wow. of what would be called the southern part, the southwestern tip of Nova Scotia. Wow. Interesting. So that basically is a landmarker to know where you are. And that's what I think it was. Wow, and Jeffrey. So to yeah. me, that's interesting. Oak Island if it's the bank theory, you know what I mean, was a storage point for storage point, yep. not only the, the, the Templar stuff, uh, but also for all the gold that was coming home. And you might say, well, why Oak Island? And it's a very simple thing. You can't get home any other way. Mm. You can't sail straight back across. It's impossible. There's no wind to take you. And the ships at the time were not big enough to have enough food to sail against the wind. Okay, the first guy that took the shortcut to Bermuda uh, 
was the guy that kidnapped Pocahontas there. Um, I'm a brain fart. Irrelevant. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. He cut off the southern part, and and he managed to 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 cut off a fair bit of distance. Okay, but he was the first guy to do that. The only other way was to come north, you know, up by Iceland, down the coast of Greenland, down through, you know, the west coast of Labrador and Newfoundland. But the problem is, is that the North Atlantic is crazy. Right. Okay, I live up here. It's crazy weather up in the North Atlantic. So that's why they always took the longer route because it was a safer route. So if Columbus knew about the route in the North and he was in charge of getting the most important treasure known to man over to the New World, he would have chosen the Southern route. Now, if the first place you land is the Caribbean, Okay, think of it as a freeway, right? And everybody's going to come behind you. Are you going to bury the treasure on the first island that everybody's going to come to? Or are you going to sail up the coast and bury it somewhere on the last landmark you're going to come to before you head home across open water? Right, and also, by the time you get to Nova Scotia, you've already been at sea for a year. You're not going to want, want to sit around on the beach smoking tobacco. <laughs> right, but right? Uh, Jeffrey, don't you think uh, if we're using the island as a so-called bank by many people, yep, don't, don't you think this is how Samuel Ball found a little cache of somebody's treasure somewhere to get his money to yep. buy land and to buy one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Give us your I, idea on Sam Ball. Yeah, I I think that's exactly that's why you know is 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 Columbus the story? No, I right. think Columbus is part of the story. Is uh, Ponce de Leon the story? No, he's part of the story. Are the Sinclairs the story? Part of the story. It's been used, I think, for a lot of time, but only by people in the know. And mm-hmm. I think those people were. You know, you can call them modern-day Masons. You can call them whatever you want, okay? Templars is a, is a beautiful name. It sells books. It sells right. stories. But it's that society. When you think about the founding of America, the group that founded America, right, was about not having a pope as a leader and not having a monarch as a leader. So it was a, a, a new world order, a new world thought process. Yep. And when you think about it, you know, the Templars during the Crusades fought supposedly for one cause. But when you read their history over in, you know, the Middle East, they never gave Jerusalem, they never gave the Middle East to either the Western pope or the eastern pope they kept it for themselves and they eventually lost it but i think the whole point of the crusades was to rescue the treasures i think it was to rescue the artifacts Mm -hmm. and smuggle them out of there and i think that's why they gave up but i also think that they also realized that they're fighting something that's stupid fighting over religion was stupid 
you know. Right. Yeah. And, and I think the same with the Muslims. They, they don't. Nobody wants to fight at the end of the day. And the Templars were always in between battles and mm-hmm. in between bad leadership on either side. Right. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of peace in between battles in those two or three hundred years. So they shared education. They shared navigation. They shared all kinds of things when they weren't fighting. And it, they weren't fighting as a whole. They were fighting for a particular person. You know, you get one leader that comes in and mm-hmm. he gets his nose bent out of shape. Well, go kill, you know, 50,000 people. Well, that pisses off the other guy. Next thing you know, they're fighting for three years. And then all of a sudden there ain't nobody left to fight over. And that guy dies. And the next kid that comes along, well, he's got a little bit more better attitude. So you got 20 mm-hmm. years of peace. So, you know, it's never been about them versus us. It's about him versus him. You yeah. know what I mean? I got, so, a, I got another question for you here. Yeah. That bothers me. Maybe people know the answer if they do chat, chime in, and then we'll do some questions, Jeffrey, from the members. Sure. In a short while. But this Francis Bacon manuscripts. Now, this, yep. this always bothered me. Maybe it's been answered. But if manuscripts supposedly were buried on Oak Island someplace yep. by the 1700s. Was his papers of Shakespeare and everything else that famous before he buried it? I'm saying, I mean, it's got to be famous and important for me to bury something. If it's not famous, I'm not going to bury something that I know that it's not going to be worth yeah. something in the future. You know what I mean? Yeah. Petter's Petter's work really kind of jump-started me, okay? Um, his uh, tree of <laughs> I, life, his, yeah, tree like, of, his tree of life yeah. symbol, and you know this, but but you and I got to keep this to ourselves. Okay. Um, I'm not ready for that one. Um, <laughs> uh, not yet. Uh, okay, fair enough. You know, um, I, I'm not 100% sold on that, okay? Me neither. Um, I'm not saying it's not true. I'm just, I'm just, I wrestle with that. Okay. Uh, I really, really do because I don't know what the point would be to hide them. Right. I, I can see hiding gold to use it to establish a new world down the road. Correct. Okay. You got to remember that the world was constantly changing and there was a lot of wars. There's just a lot yeah. of crap going on in those middle years. Right. Right. Correct. And once they had America set up, which is Jamestown, let's, let's call it what it is. Jamestown is America, right? Mm-hmm. That's the foothold. Yeah. And then it became, you know, Washington. Mm-hmm. Right. So as soon as that was established, and they had the people in place, I think they were ready to go. They had enough people over here. They had enough Scotch and Irish and European non-Englishmen over here, okay? Because you got to remember, the English were monarchs, yep. right? King George, right? At the time. So I think, I think it was a waiting game for what was what was – left on Oak Island to establish, okay? The religious artifacts were critically important to a lot of things, especially the money behind the operation. Um, 
as far as the manuscripts go, if they were valuable and they were there, they could have been removed. Okay. My mm-hmm. removal dates, in my opinion, are right in that mid 1600s range. So they were famous okay? way that's, before that's that. That's my opinion. Okay. Right. Is that the stuff was removed at that point in time. And that could tie in to Petter's theory as far as the documents being there. They would have been there in that time frame because. Uh, Francis Bacon's real brother came over in that early Jamestown okay. colony. And right. then uh, Alexander came over. You know what I mean? Who, uh, William Alexander, he was a big player in Nova Scotia. And I think he's in, uh, oh, uh, I'm sorry. I'm having a brain fart. The guy that, uh, He's been on the show a few times of McQuiston? late. McQuiston, James McQuiston. Yes, James. He's James. done a lot of research oh, on yeah. him. And yeah. I, I think he's close to the mark as well. I don't know if he's got it nailed. I, I don't think he does because he's missing a big part of the story. Yeah. At least he's holding out. Okay. He's holding out. Because yeah, nobody's, hold- no, nobody's told my finish yet. Okay. Yeah, he, so I'm still, I'm still waiting to, to finish ahead of everybody. Yeah. When he showed that coin that yeah. they found at the New Ross, that medallion that they found at the New Ross Castle Foundation. Sure. That threw me all off because that was never shown on the show. Even though yeah. he says it was in the war room, he showed Rick and Marty this medallion. Yeah. And they're just like, okay, I never heard about it. I never saw it. Yeah. And they just well, went poof. You know, again, what what <laughs> makes the show and what yeah. doesn't make the show, you know, I don't profess to know how they decide. Yeah. And, and it's I not know. the guys in the war room. Okay. They got nothing to do with it. It's right. the it's the production team in, you know, Los Angeles that decides what gets shown on TV. But you, you think they I mean? would see us as viewers to show us a medallion from a mm-hmm. Templar, a coin. Yeah. I mean, that's, that seems like great TV to me, and I'm just a viewer, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm not going to argue with it, John. I mean, yeah. you know, I, it's I, their choice, I yeah. don't ever, you know, put them down uh, just because I, uh, to me, there's always enough naysayers out there without me giving them fuel. So I, so you, I won't go there. Okay. Do I agree with everything that they do? Not necessarily, right. but you know, um, at the end of the day, the mystery is not going to change. It's still yeah. the greatest mystery, in my mm-hmm. opinion, one of the greatest mysteries in the history of the world, for that yeah. matter. I mean, there's a lot of really cool mysteries out there because I chase a lot up. Right, but I really like the Oak Island story. Mm-hmm. I think it's good for Canada. I'm a Canadian. Correct. The East Coast of Canada is not New York City. Okay. Like we don't have skyscrapers (laughs) and millions of dollars. Okay. So like we fight for every nickel we get, which is why I don't have time to do research because I got to make a living. Um, So, (laughs) you know, at the end of the day, the story is good for us here in the Maritimes. You know what I mean? It keeps us on the map and, and I don't mind that. And, and it is a great story. I'm actually scared of the day that they do solve the mystery because well, what the hell are we going to talk about then? The Kardashian sisters? Oh my God, yeah. that scares me to death. <laughs> you know? we got a, Jeffrey, we've got a member, uh, Matt, yep. and Matt wants to know, when you held up them two old <laughs> books, uh, number one and number two, what's the actual titles 
and the first edition of uh, Christopher Columbus. What's those books that you showed uh, yeah, earlier in the in the podcast? Literally, literally, the 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 hit, the cover right here is this this book. This is an original, so it's old. It <laughs> is Washington's Washington Irving's The History of the Life and Voyage of Christopher Columbus. Okay. By Washington Irving. So, and as I said, there's two editions, first edition, second edition. They're virtually identical. It's just there was a couple different words used, and one of them was that easterly, you know, or sorry, westerly. The true definition of a westerly is a wind in the uh, Tropic of Cancer. And and I, you know, I stumbled upon that long after the show. Though I mean, most of the stuff I've told you tonight has been long after the show. Right. You know. Right. And, any uh, more questions, members? If you got any questions, uh, uh, start uh, doing some comments for Jeff. And uh, Jeff, what do you think about now with the caissons getting a little bit ragged in the money pit and their idea of going for a big dig? Uh, what, uh, what's your What's your direction, or what do you What's your opinion on? They want to just open it up, and that's it. Well, that's a big deal. Like, this, yeah. like you know, Marty wasn't kidding, right? Right. Uh, that that's a big deal. I mean, oh, I mean, just the. I know how. I mean, you know, I work my own island. Yeah. And, and I've got a parallel story that might be involved with Oak Island, might not be involved in Oak Island. Um, it's got to do with, uh, you know, the jewels. Uh, what's your name's Jules? Uh, oh, Roosevelt and uh, Marie oh, Antoinette. Thank yeah, you, Marie, Marie Antoinette. Jules. Um, the actual paragraph, that actual sentence, um, actually points to an island over here. It's called Campobello Island, oh, really? which is where the Roosevelts have their summer home over here, right? Oh, and okay. uh, well, I never knew that. Yeah, no, the Roosevelts have a summer home. It's quite famous. Uh, it's in Campobello because the island is actually owned by Canada, but only accessible through the United States of America. <laughs> um, you know, you have to travel to the island through the state of Maine in order to get there across the mm. bridge. Yeah. So, but it's jointly managed by, you know, Americans and Canadians because it was the Roosevelt's summer home. Okay. And, uh, but the, the island was founded uh, by a family by the name of Owen. And they were all um, sea captains. And Captain Owen, Admiral Owen, um, was awarded the island uh, basically at the time of the French Civil War. And when you study up Marie Antoinette, she was rescued almost. Mm. Uh, she didn't make it, but her, uh, I was going to say bridesmaid, what you, handmaid, is that what mm -hmm. they call them? Yeah, yeah, handmade. Yeah, I think handmade. Yeah, um, she was actually rescued by an English gentleman. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, the admiral of the navy would have been an English gentleman by my standards, right? And he happened to be in charge of the English Mediterranean Navy at the time. And the island that I've been working for the last five years, and I've shown artifacts on my show when I used to do my show way back. Um, you know, one of the pins I found was from the 99th regiment. Uh, 
and the 99th Regiment was only stationed in the Caribbean. They were never up in eastern Canada. Uh, the one and only time they were here, um, they were transported to Brockville, Ontario, which, which would be across from um, upstate New York. Uh, I forget the town. Ogdensburg. And, uh, and uh, they were reinforcements for whatever regiment was up there during the War of 1812. And I found a pin, a 99th Regiment pin button uh, on the island that I'm working. Well, they didn't walk from the Caribbean up to Brockville, Ontario, right? Yep. So they would have been transported, you know, from the Navy. And the people that were in charge of the Navy were the Owens who were tied in to Campobello, which is where the Roosevelt's were after. And so, you know, I've often wondered whether, you know, Antoinette's jewels were actually stowed on this island. So, you know, that was the, the tie-in is that Roosevelt uh, not only had ties to Oak Island deep, deep, deep ties to Oak Island, but he also had ties to the uh, places that I've been, you know, treasure hunting up here. So it's amazing how many parallels you can yep. have to yep. those stories. We got a member, uh, Dennis Morgan. Jeffrey, okay. Jeffrey, do you think there may be more than one treasure on the island? 100%. No doubt in my mind whatsoever. Yes, That's why, as I said, as far as the time frame goes with all the pieces from the different eras, I don't think they're associated to one event. Right. But maybe one group passed on through time. Yeah. Ancestrally. As yeah. in the group knew about the island and used it as a bank vault. Right. Even when I talked to uh, Joan McGinnis. She said for sure, not for sure, but things passed down to her that she's heard from her grandfather yep. and her father, even though people sometimes jump on her. Well, she's not factual. I mean, she's telling me what was told to her. Exactly. So I yep. only can go by what she was told. And she tells me, of course, you got the naysayers and stuff like that. Yep. And, you know, they were pretty sure that they knew there was something going on in Oak Island. Oh, oh, 100%. you know, like like me, like 100%. me and you agree on that, that they knew there was something going on. Oh, I, mean, I think they were the guardians. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, and, and I'm going to tell you a story that I haven't told anybody. OK, so here <laughs> here's an exclusive, John. Well, you All got right? it. I'll, I'll, I'll let you have this one. All right. Okay? Thank you, Jeffrey. Um, when we left the tour to come back home, OK, we spent another three days doing the southern part of. Nova Scotia. Okay. Um, and in Truro, there is a uh, Mi'kmaq uh, education center. Oh, really? Okay. It's next to the highway. And I thought, let's stop in there just for the fun of it. Because I wanted to take some pictures. I actually, I wanted to see if they had pictures of this petroglyph. Okay which was boats, okay? Well, that boat are like Christopher Columbus's boats. Anyway, those are Mi'kmaq uh, petroglyphs in Nova Scotia. So I want to talk about those. So 
we got in there yep. and we were talking to one of the young educators, young man, really nice young guy, and just talking different stories and whatnot. And then I walked away and, and I got to think of the water, Watertown, uh, Watertown Treaty. Watertown Treaty. Yeah, Watertown Treaty. Um, I'm just standing there looking at something, gawking at something and yeah. taking pictures, and, okay. and I'm listening. And he's telling this story about this Watertown Treaty, and, and I, that doesn't sound right. Anyway, we're going to call it the Watertown Treaty. And, and I'm listening. And what that treaty was... It was a treaty of the United States, the newly formed United States, that gave the Mi'kmaq Indians, mm-hmm. the Passamaquoddy Indians, Passamaquoddy Band, which is my band here locally, okay, okay and the St. John River Indians, um, safe passage and citizenship for life. Wow. Okay. Okay? Yep. And I wonder, I said, what is that? And I said, for their participation in the War of Independence, America has given these three Indian bands basically citizen, citizenship yeah. for right. life. Yeah. And when I investigated, that is true. They all have cards. Really? They can go into the United States. They can do whatever they want. They can join the American military. They really? have protection for life. Wow. And I got thinking about that. And it's like, no offense to America, but they didn't even treat their own aboriginals that good. You know, let's yeah. be honest about yeah. it, right? You know, yeah. out west, they certainly didn't treat them that good. So when I did further research, it was actually the third document that the new Congress signed. Really? The number three document. And I was like, you didn't have more important business than that? And I researched, it's like, the Aboriginals didn't really do anything. They didn't participate in the War of Independence. Right. Because the English won up here. You got to remember, like, we're not American. We're Canadian, right? Yeah, we're right. English, okay? And and now George, that was George Washington's fault. Uh, he left us for the French. And, you know, no offense to the French. They, you know, you know what I was just going to say. They, they, uh, they dropped the ball, <laughs> okay? Yep. Benjamin, I was going to say something worse. What about I'm Benjamin? Still, I'm what still about ugly ben- at them about it. But anyway, George Washington left Eastern Canada for the French for yep. their help in the War of Independence. But the French, you know, uh, he he would not attack Louisbourg because he was leaving it for the French to yep, take, and, you, you and, they, and they didn't Franklin. take it. You got you Benjamin know? Franklin with the, his yeah. twenty thousand acres up there. Yeah. Oh, so that they paid him off. Yeah, but getting back to that, that Watertown Treaty. Yeah, and it's like, why on earth would they give them that treaty? Makes no sense. When it makes right. no sense, it must be important, right? Especially uh-huh. if it's the third piece <laughs> of paper that the newly formed Congress signed, and so later on, 
my daughter, you know, uh, had a sweater on or jacket and she took sweater off and she had her Oak Island t-shirt on. Yep. And buddy comes over and one didn't realize it was my daughter. So he's just talking to a kid. Right. And Charlie, I think was like 10 years old at the time. (laughs) And he said, where'd you get that t-shirt? And she goes, well, we just came back from the Oak Island tour. Mm -hmm. And he goes, really? That's really cool. I've got a secret. Can you keep a secret? She oh, goes, boy. Yeah. And he says, I bet you, you did not know. Word for word, John, I swear. Hold on now. i got to get the right swear here. There okay. you go. If I can get, <laughs> see, that, this hand's too arthritic for that symbol nowadays. There we go. Okay. I swear, okay, on my dead grandmother's grave and father's grave, Word for word out of his mouth. I bet you didn't know that we were the guardians of the Ark of the Covenant. Oh, my God. Now, he's telling a 10-year-old that. You don't lie to 10-year-olds. I know. How's he just come up with it? I mean, just... Right? Now, Charlie... She's been around me enough to know, look, the eyeballs were like this. And she's going, Daddy, you need to come here. So anyway, so I went over and and he said, now, where'd you get that? And he said, that is a story that we are taught. Hmm. Okay. That has been passed down through the elders. And he said, but, you know, let's be honest about it. It's too big for people to grasp yeah. the concept so we don't talk about it because people think we're crazy, basically, or full of shit, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? And, you know, so I said, so who taught you that story? And he gave me the name. Mm-hmm. And so I called that elder, and he is rather famous up in the East Coast. I'm not going to mention names because I don't want to get him in trouble for telling tales out of school, okay? But when I did, and it took three months to get you know, a 20 minute phone call with this gentleman. And, uh, anyway, he did call and I didn't tell him I was associate. Well, and and I, I didn't tell him that I was researching Oak Island. Okay. Cause Oak Island's kind of a sore spot for some people in Nova Scotia. Mm -hmm. Um, I just said I was, I was doing some research and I wanted to tell the story as accurately as possible because I don't want to embellish a story that would make the Mi'kmaq look bad. I agree. I agree. I agree a hundred percent. So I'm not going to publish bullshit. In other words, I'm not just going to make up something to to say. And so I said, you know, I just want to know if there's any truth to what that young man said. And he said, in his opinion, yes, it was absolutely true. Because most of the legends that are passed down through the Mi'kmaq are verbal legends. Correct. Okay. And he said, that is what we are teaching, you know, our our children. And so, you know, I, I thought that was pretty powerful at, at the time. Oh, my okay? God, powerful. And, it, that's like, uh, well, that would just make me shake my head all the way, dry, the whole way drive home. I'd be shaking my head. Well, in the car. it was just when you think you're on to something and you think you have a theory and you think you have the stuff like I've got and, and I've got stacks of it. Okay. I mean, we could be here till three o'clock in the morning, but we're not going to be, um, 
you know, when you add up all the circumstantial evidence, and, and, and you know me, and you know a few other parts, right? Um, yep. When you add up the entire stack of circumstantial evidence, it can't not, it can't be just a coincidence. It's, it's just impossible. Right, just too many things. You know, in right. the same it's way. like it's like the the pyramid in Oak Island. Well, that by itself maybe is a coincidence, but it sure as hell ain't a coincidence that San Juan, Puerto Rico, uh, you know. Uh, Ponce Leon's house that's still sitting there, okay, right. is the exact same latitude or longitude as the Overton stone that his signature's on. Like, come on, that, that's not a coincidence. I'm sorry, I don't care what anybody tells you. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, not a coincidence, it's impossible, yep. right? Yep. So, you know, um, and, and it's so simple in itself. You know, when you look at just the simplicity of of the directions, but they're hidden, right? right. Nobody's been able to figure out that 53.66 because it's such an absurd number that nobody ever could make sense out of it. Yep. You know, they could do the math and divide it by two and six and come up with some bullshit answer, but but it, but it's never been accurate. Right. You know I've got I mean? some members, uh, Jeffrey, they're asking about when your new book will be out. And I'm pretty sure if it starts to be out, you give me like a little exclusive to come on. and. Oh, of course. You know, no, when, no, that, of course. when, that, um, when I, that time is. I've, I'm in the process of rewriting a bunch of stuff. I mean, John, you've known me long enough. Right. Uh, when we first started, you know, it was scientifically changing the world. You know what I mean? Yep. Right. Right. Yep. Um, but that doesn't sell books. Right. Okay. Science doesn't sell. Right. Nope. Four nope. and a half hours, eight minutes, 45 seconds. Right. That doesn't sell. Yep. So I'm, I'm taking a different approach. And okay. so it, it takes a rewrite and I'm still, the science is still going to be in there, but it's going to be more of a, I'll fill in the gaps yeah, okay. with some storytelling right. to make it an adventure. But all the science is still going to be in there. So at the end of the book, you're going to be going, damn, is that right? Or wow, <clears throat> you know, and you can look up the facts yourself and then you'll say, oh, shit, like this kid might be onto something. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And and, you know, the final, you know, the final chapter, which is, you know, you and I have talked about a certain city right. um, before. Correct. You know, that there ain't no coincidence in that. Right. You know, some of that stuff is pretty mind blowing. So, you know, um, the end result is it, it speaks for itself. You know, right. you, you can't you can't argue with it at the end of the day. And right. so I'm just, I'd really like to, I'd like them to find something on Oak Island. Okay. Just so I can say, yes, Oak Island is part of the story. Yeah. Right. And that's really all I'm waiting for. Right. I'm and not in a panic because <clears throat> nobody buys books anyway. Okay. Right. Unless you're a Dan Brown or Mitchner, you know, and I'm not going to buy 2000 books to sell out of the trunk of my car. I'm not interested <laughs> in doing that. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, I, I'd rather make a movie or something so that everybody can see it and have fun. And, mm -hmm. and, yeah. and at the end of the day, I would just like to feel that I think I'm on to the right track and, and I listen, I sleep at night. So, right. You know. But uh, a lot of times uh, this season, 
or the past season, they were in the swamp. Yep. Now the swamp and and Gary and everybody else in the swamp finding sledgehammers and pickaxes and yep. and whatever, and they got into this blue clay and a stone path. Even yep. though they were supposed to be like a quote unquote ship looking anomaly by the uh, seismic right. people. Yeah. Yeah. But yet they did drill the whole island with the floating drill. Yeah. What is your knowledge of, if you know, about all this blue clay that's around the whole island? Is that part of, like the Indians would use that for pottery? More Actually, than, uh, that's that's quite a phenomenon. And blue clay, right? Yeah. And if you study any Inca history, okay. they migrated all the way up here from down there in search of that blue clay. Really? Yes. Um, there's quite a story behind blue clay. Um, and there's uh, there's another term. Uh, oh, man, you're really making me go back in time. Uh, well, this is what Jeff does to me, so I got to do it to you. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, I'm, just, I'm just trying to think, brother. Uh, Put you on the spot. Yeah, do you remember yeah. Can you hear Jeff yet? Uh, yes, so he he just came on for oh, the first wow. time. The oh. entire show. You know? <laughs> Only took an hour and a half. Yeah, uh, I had to leave and come back. That's what it was. Yeah, um, we had to reboot your video, Jeff. Yeah, That's what yeah it no, was. that that blue clay okay. is not everywhere. Oof. Okay, and like I said, it's uh, it's of high value, and uh, because of it dying as in, you know, to dye something purposes, right? right. And like I said, if you mm. look at uh, Inca history, Inca ancient history, there's artifactually proof that the Incas were up here in search of that very product. Mm. They valued it so much. Yeah. So um, how it got to Oak Island, whether it's native to Oak Island, who knows? Well, but, we were talking about the eye of the swamp, you know, possibly being a mine for it, which I don't think they found enough, in my opinion, to yeah. say that at this point. I don't know. No, Maybe I don't I'm think. So. I don't think so either. Yeah. Um, and uh, again, you know, there's a, a lot of theories out there, just like mine, right? Um, you know, who's right, who's wrong? Um, a lot of stuff came up from the Caribbean, yeah. right? A lot of product came up here. Does this you know, sound familiar? And, does this, and that, does this, does and this that sound blue, familiar? Coconut yeah. fiber, does that sound familiar? Oh, exactly. Well, where'd <laughs> that come from, right? You know what I mean? Uh, ballast in ships, you got to remember, you know, when you've got heavy weather, you're going to load the ship with whatever you can shove in that hole. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And when you're done and when you're ready to rumble, and you get smooth sail, the first thing you do, shove all that stuff overboard. Because you, if you get, in your opinion, and these guys are not slouch sailors. They know the oceans, okay? You don't get yeah. all the way over here without knowing what you're doing. And, right. you know, if, if they know they've got a three- or four-day stretch of good weather, guess what? Half that ship's going to be empty so they can double time. What right? about, Jeffrey, uh, if they're hauling over gold and silver, Yep. you know, you're a sailor, the weight, yep alone of that material yep. on these ships, how does that affect, I mean, like obviously it's got to slow it down. Oh, but how do, for sure. How does, how does that all affect them getting into a safe spot from A to B if you've got tons of gold and tons of silver on a ship? It's, 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 a, it's a double-edged sword. 
uh, weight provides stability and keeps the boat in the water. Okay. Yeah. Right. Provides stability, but it also slows things down. So when you get in weather, it's a rough ride because you're moving along pretty slow. I mean, if it's a high wind, you know, you're at the mercy of wherever the wind is blowing you, right? Because you can't sail against the wind in the storm. So, you know, so, you know, it's, that's why a lot of those ships sank simply because they did get caught in storms. And so you are weighted down and you can't, you know, you've got stability, but you can't take on those rough seas. Right. You know, like I said, it's, 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 it's tough. You know, if you remember, remember the tall ship, uh, and I'm not talking, uh, you know, the famous one that just sank, but I'm talking way back uh, mid eighties off the coast of Florida. And that was what, 170 some feet long. And it sank in 30 seconds, rogue wave. 30 seconds underwater, 178 foot sailing vessel. So, you know, it doesn't take long to be underwater. So especially if if you're weighted down. What do you think of this? And then we'll start to button it up a little bit. Um, The cross. Yeah. When Gary found the cross on Smith's Cove, that was a big turning point, obviously, of the whole show. Sure. Yeah. Now, do you think, this is my own little theory, and I talked to Jeff Freeman, my co-host. I think personally, because there was nothing else found in 18,000 square feet of sifting Smith's Cove, yeah. that whenever the Templars were done, somebody took the cross off, either number one, put it on the beach to deposit, or they put it on the beach when they left as a blessing. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? Uh Knowing artifacts that I find, right? Okay, and I'm gonna I'm gonna grab something because there's some importance to this. Um, so just like two seconds here. Oh. <laughs> All right. I'm sitting too long. <clears throat> oh, where are I think I? The, I think the show's fantastic so far for me. I don't know. Yeah, I hope everyone's enjoying yeah. it so far. It's been very informative. Yeah, and like uh, and like What's they the cross made out of lead. Lead. Lead, lead from uh, over lead, seas. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Lead from okay. France. So lead France. is heavy. Okay. Can you see those? Uh-huh. Those yep. are Civil War era mm-hmm. bullets. Yep. Okay. Okay. Got it. So, and I find these locally in one area, and I've got about 200 and something. I still don't know what they're doing there. Okay. <laughs> okay. So here's what lead does. Okay. So we're going to get back into some science. Because of the weight. Yeah. On the east coast of Canada and Oak Island, the topography of the beach of Oak Island is very similar to my beach across the street from me, okay? You've got a certain layer of those rocks that you see all the time, Yeah. right? Yeah. And then you've got a little bit of fine pebbles because those rocks get beat down into pebbles. So you've got about six different sizes of, of, of beach, right? Yep. And then you've got areas where you have clay, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you've got sand, which is basically fine grind, 
pebbles, okay? Lead is heavy. Lead is heavier than all those rocks, right? Mm-hmm. Okay? So if you compare a pebble that's the same size as this lead bullet, right. what's going to sink first? Yeah, the bullet. Exactly. Now, what happens with all these bullets, these are all from the mid-1800s, okay? So these have sunk down in the clay, but they'll only sink so far into the clay. Right. Right? Yeah. And so they might be down. Most of the bullets that I find in the ground are within six inches of the surface. Right. The cross was pretty shallow that I saw. Exactly. And here's why. They'll only sink down so far before the density of the clay is stronger than the weight of mm-hmm. Makes the sense. lead. Right. Okay? Yeah. So then, all of a sudden, you get all this action going on up here, which is just a sifter. Because that beach changes every tide. We have right. two tides a day. Right. And it changes. I could show you the same beach down here, five different photographs over a 10-day period, and you'd see five different beaches. Believe it or not, that's the 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 how strong the effort is of the tide and it changes and it's just a sifter and it's grinding. Well, as it's grinding with certain storms, it washes some of that away. So all of a sudden, this lead object that is now six inches becomes four inches, becomes three inches, becomes two inches, becomes at the surface. And then all of a sudden. It's on the surface. And that's what lead does in a beach. Mm. Mm. So that could have been sitting there for 600 years. It might have taken 600 years for it to sink down into the clay and then work its way back up because of the erosion of the beach. And that erosion Mm -hmm. can change that beach by three inches on any given storm. Mm -hmm. And Nova Scotia is famous for its storms. Right? So if you think about what happened the winter before they found it, they had some kick-ass storms. I know. We had a bunch of uh, Northeasters here in New York, and they just went by you. That's why that cross had never been found before, because all of a sudden it had worked its way close to the surface or to the surface. That's interesting. Yeah. And and that's just how lead works, in, in and I'm speaking from pure experience here. You know what I mean? With all their... their, uh, Metal detecting with Gary and yep. certain people coming in with a big radar or sonar or whatever yeah. you call it. They, they never got a hit on this cross for, for, for six seasons of all the Smith's Cove that yeah, they, but, they searched on. Yeah, but you got to remember, okay, uh, I mean, I'm a metal detectorist. Right. Yep. Um, beach detecting is exceptionally difficult because of the salinity of the water. Okay. okay. And that wreaks havoc on your signals. Okay. So you really got to be in the right place at the right time to get a good solid signal. I can't tell you how many nineties I have been digging. That's a strong signal for coinage. okay, Okay. On a good metal detector. And I've dug down two feet, not to find a damn thing because it's a ghost 
signal. And it's just because of the salinity and the different minerals in the water. So that's one reason why. You'll have to um, give Jeff some uh, pointers because he's yeah. going to be a metal detector yeah, expert well, very one, short. Yeah. He just yeah. got a metal detector. Yeah. Have they yeah. have they covered every square inch of the beach? Yeah, they might have. But yeah. on any given day, that yeah. beach changes with every storm. Right. So true. So the ground level is changing. Right. You know, most, well, metal, most metal detectors are good for 18 inches, but <clears throat> the the higher your sensitivity, the more ghost signals you pick up. Yeah, so most, true, of yeah. the, most of the time, you know, I hunt with half sensitivity. And so when I get a good signal, I right. at least know that it's a 50-50 chance that yeah. it's a real signal. Right. Well, Gary's so, talked so about that's that one reason. Times. Oh, exactly. Yeah, about now, the fact that this, after a storm, he wants to get back out there on the beach and, and yeah. cover it again. Yeah. Now, as far as how the cross got there, I mean, that's either no. one of those possibilities. No. Could have fallen off, could have been dropped mm-hmm. as a blessing. I mean, it's not like it was a gold cross, you know, right. something that right. that cross is more like something I'd wear because I don't mm-hmm. wear audacious stuff. I mean, I wear, mm-hmm. you know, rings that I've handmade out of antlers. You know what I mean? I don't wear mm-hmm. gold rings. But the so, only thing, but the only thing, Jeffrey, that got me is if yeah. we found when they put the coffer dam up and we found all kinds of, you know, crosses and relics and whatever they wanted, to, it's because they only found this one thing in such a big area. That's what had me questioning. Why yeah. just one? Why just right. one thing in eighteen thousand square feet? Well, That's, because. You know, but you've also got to remember, though, John, that that area has been raped over so many times, and we don't know what was found before. And, right, it's probably and somebody taken away, and you know, don't forget, man, they've been searching that island for two hundred years. Metal detectors been around for a long time. Yeah, okay? and, a and very you don't know long time, and you don't know who has their stuff in their so-called personal collection. And don't forget, there hasn't been security systems around for that long. Right. Right, yeah. You know, any Tom, Dick, and Harry could go out there on a kayak on any given day, and they're not going to get seen out there. They are now because there's (laughs) there's security cameras all around. But 10 years ago, you wouldn't have found a security camera other than over by the money pit because they didn't want anybody, you know, falling in. Well, not the money pit, 10X, because they didn't want anybody falling in 10X, right? Right. So, you know, um, and, and again, when you think about the destruction of Smith's Cove in the previous years, I mean, you, we've all seen the photo of the stuff that they already knew was there, but they wanted to verify it and they wanted to go further and they wanted to prove to themselves and yep. they did find more things. Um, you know, that wharf is probably sitting on top of a different wharf. Yeah. And, Rebuild, you know, yeah. Uh, and, you know, Doug and I have talked about that on occasion. It's like, if you want to hide something, the first thing you do is build something on top of it. Right. Yeah. So who knows what was under that slipway could have been just something to put on top of something else. Right. Yeah. But, but mm-hmm. they knew that and they, and they drilled and, you know, they didn't find anything of significance under the slipway. So according to the time, you know, that's, that fits that time period story. Um, but as far as the rest of Smith's Cove, I mean, that place was totally destroyed. And right. when you backfill, you know, you knock something down, you, you change that earth so often. It, it's amazing they found the cross to begin with. 
Yeah, because when you because re- when you think about it, you recycle all that soil. That 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 could have been down there six feet. Yeah, yeah. but then it, then it matched the uh, cross in the prison when they went to yep. the prison, Templer prison. I mean, so much. Well, that out. was I'll tell you that was uh, that's just another per- thing that proves the Templar connection. I think. Well, that that was an aha moment, right? Oh, absolutely. And mm-hmm. I mean, you know, down the road. You know, the three of us will be having a conversation someday, and you'll be going, "Oh, damn, that's pretty darn slick too. That's no coincidence either." So, you know, uh, that but that happens. Yeah, and we know? even talked and about, that, and that's uh, part of this mystery, right? Yep. You know, and Jeffrey, we even talked about when I saw a clip uh, from season five, I think it was, that the lot sixteen is just a big spoils pile, right? From Dunfield and everybody, and yep. I'm going. Well, why are we on the Boulderous Beach? Why why are we not focusing on Lot 16? They found two coins right off the bat on the clip. Yeah. I'm saying, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I never and I never knew Lot 16 was a spoil lot for the money yeah. pit when they dug out the money pit. Yeah. I didn't know that until three weeks yeah. ago. Well, yeah. you know, it's it's like one question I've always asked, and and it's never gotten answered. I mean, there's still a lot of the island underground that has not been explored. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and in my case, on my island, there was a base camp. Okay. And I found the base camp, the unrecorded base camp. You know, I mean, I've got 1,800 artifacts, you know, from the camp that I found. Uh, cartographer squares, the exact same China that's on Oak Island. Okay. The exact same China. Um, so, same time period, same everything. So the coinage is roughly the same. I don't have a sixteen oh right eight or whatever the the pirate coin is. Um, but most of the other coins that I have found, they have found. You right. know, they're now, almost identical. And so to me, my operation, I still don't know what they were doing on my island yet, okay? Uh I haven't really gone below 12 inches because as soon as you start digging below 12 inches, you're really getting into scary territory, okay, as far as the law goes. I thought, so, you, I, I, thought I saw you digging deeper than that. Come on now. Well. Uh, I won't, I won't <laughs> Jeffrey, I won't, I won't say what or where, but uh, I think you're 12 inches. Uh, is, is, is that centimeters? I think it was centimeters yes. or millimeters. Yes, it's metric, John. It's metric, metric. metric. Yeah, 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 yeah. But this yeah. this map I got Size matters, John. Yeah. Size matters. Don't yeah. let don't, don't let anybody tell you different. Well, and the map I got up now, Jeffrey, is the yes. seismic is the seismic that they did in 2018 and 19. That's just a fraction of the whole island. I mean, oh, they did I around know. the cross, Nolan's uh, cross that we haven't heard. Yeah. I mean, they yeah. just concentrated on this side of the island. Well, and and that's just it. Um, there's there's so much left to do. This is just not a simple project. And everybody says, oh, it's so simple. We should have figured it out. And I always go back to the same thing. You know what? Um, they hid the Ark of the Covenant in the Bible for periods of hundreds of years, okay, and hid it well. So if they guarded the Ark for a thousand years, right. there's no reason for me to, to believe that it disappeared at the time of, you know, Jesus, whatever, right? right? It's the same thing with Oak Island. 
if nobody's been able to figure it out for 200 years, they did a damn good job yep. do, doing their job. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So now we have the modern technology, but you still have the effort of hundreds of years worth of importance to do their job correctly. That's why they dug a hole 200 feet deep. Okay. Can you, can you imagine can, them can doing they that dig with... a hole 200 feet deep? All you got to do is research the lost city of Petra, and you'll know exactly why the Templars knew how to dig a hole 200 feet deep. Trust me, because all the answers are in Petra, Jordan, as far still... as the ancient mason work. And I'm still looking for the air chambers on Oak Island. I'm still stumped yeah. that, I mean, if you're down 200 feet, you got to breathe. Like I was telling yep. Jeff, uh, uh, my co host. They had to light a fire somewhere down there to draw the oxygen from the top down. Because yep. if you don't have oxygen, Jeffrey, how yep. do you dig? How do you work? How do yeah. you do anything? You can't. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, but you look at ancient mining, and it's been around for thousands of years. Okay? It was done. So. You're saying they covered these, You're saying all these air chambers and with the money pit, they covered everything up. Well... Don't, for, don't forget, though, in the mid-50s and 60s, there was an awful lot of destruction. So what we haven't seen, mm. uh, yeah. there's, there's been an awful lot of destruction. And, and I believe it was a cover-up. I, I do believe that entire era was not a search effort, but rather a search-and-destroy effort. And I and I'll, Cover the tracks, yeah. Yeah, and that's what I think. That's why I think uh, the Roosevelts were so... Uh, aware is a good word of what was going on there yeah because uh, mon monitoring whatever whatever word you'd like to call it okay yeah, because... i don't think they were treasure hunters i think they were making sure that some of the tracks were covered right they said like Ms. mcquiston james mcquiston says that money pit was done and buried in 1632 You've heard well, that one, right? You know, I'll, what Roosevelt I'll, said, sixteen thirty-five. Yeah, I I don't mind the. Uh, I think everything was removed in that time frame. Right, you think that was okay. uh, removed. removed? I believe yeah. it was placed much, much, much earlier. Okay, okay. and and I do, I I do believe. I've thought about that a lot too. You know, I do believe again that you know under you know, the supervision of of Christopher Columbus or Ponce Leon or the Riel brothers, they were all in this together. They yeah. were all uh, Knights of Christ, Knights Hospitalier, whatever whatever group you want to call them. They were all in bed together. Simple mm -hmm. as that. And, and I think that treasure came over at that time. Okay. Okay. Prior to that, it was probably held in Scotland. Okay. Right. Because you want to keep the treasure as far away from the Pope as you can go. And guess what? The Pope was never welcome in Scotland. Okay. Mm -hmm. As far as he got was uh, Hadrian's Wall, I believe. Okay. Uh, but the Pope was never welcome in Scotland. Right. So, you know, if you're going to keep something away from somebody, you're going to stick it as far away from somebody as you can. So I think it was up there for safekeeping until. You know, it was time to to move it over here. Or the Mi'kmaq uh, says, uh, "What's the yeah. shiny? What's the shiny gold stuff that you're bringing me?" 
Yeah. I have I have no use for this gold shiny stuff. No, and they and they didn't, but you know, right. they had they had use for furs, they had yep. use for all kinds of trade items, right? Yeah. And uh so you know I'm, I'm just and another thing that, that's always kind of bothered me, not bothered me, but uh the Concordat, Concordat, Concordat Treaty uh was between the Pope and the Mi'kmaq. And and this was right in that 1600 period, because this is with Champlain and DeMonts. What and, was that treaty again, uh, uh, Jeffrey? Uh, what was the treaty con, again? Con, 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 I wanna, concordant. Okay. Con, concordant. No Already. Anyway, it was a treaty between the Pope and the Mi'kmaq nation. Wow. Where he allowed the uh, Mi'kmaq to worship in their own way. Okay, and that goes against everything that the Catholic Church has ever stood for for thousands mm-hmm. of years. Well, not thousands, eighteen hundred years. Um, you know, the Catholic Church has always been it's my way or the highway. Yep, you that was don't it. do it, we're going to chop your head off or burn you. One or the other. Yep. So why did they let the Mi'kmaq do that? And that yeah. was right around the time of you know when I think the stuff was removed. So at one point in time, it's like, well, did they give the Ark back to the Pope? Right? Yeah, it could be. But here's my answer to that. No, because there would not be a Templar alive that would ever surrender the Ark to the Pope. That's true. Okay? Because the Pope is the the arch enemy. Period. Yeah. At the the time, only yeah. reason why they were in service of the Pope is because the Pope was the only game in town back during the Crusades. You were either Catholic or dead. Yeah. They're where the highway. Right? Yeah. Right? You know, so you didn't have free thought. So, you know, you were a Catholic from Sunday to Saturday afternoon. Okay, and you were a Templar on Saturday, right? You know what I mean? And what I mean by that is you can pretend to be whatever you want if that's what you have to do to survive. So everybody always says, oh, Templars were the Pope's, you know. No, they were just pretending to be the Pope's people. That's why they never gave Jerusalem to the Pope. They kept it for themselves because they had no interest interest in they wanted the pope's support because they had to have it they wanted the pope's money and they wanted the pope to bless them and and make them more powerful than the king until the king got tired of it right yep. you know what i mean so i don't think that the jesuits that were in nova scotia at the time who were descendants of basically templars knights of christ knights hospitalier I don't think they would have ever given it back to the Pope. Now, did they give him some other things to appease him? Very maybe. likely. Yeah, maybe. Very likely. Maybe they gave him a replica. You know what I mean? One day my daughter said to me, a long time ago, and it really sunk home. She said, oh, Dad, you're going to be so mad at me. I said, why? He said, well, I lost that really nice necklace you gave me. And I looked at her and I said, that's costume jewelry. Mm-hmm. That wasn't worth five bucks. 
And then it dawned on me. And in the Bible, you know, at one point in time, they made replicas. Yep. Right? And it's like, well, if I knew the Romans were coming to sack the city, it's not like you sneak up when you've got, <laughs> you know, a Roman army walking across the desert. You know, <laughs> it's like, oh, the Romans are coming. Okay, well, let's uh, get ready. And in six weeks, they'll be here. Yeah, right? they right? had time. They had right? time. So let's get the good stuff down to Petra Jordan, which is only a hundred miles away. You ship the good stuff down here. We'll put the fake stuff up. When the fighting's done, they'll think they got the good stuff. It's like the same thing. I always say, uh, you know, Van Gogh's painting there, the Mona Lisa. Yeah. If he painted two identical, he painted one on Monday and one on Friday. Which one's going to be worth more money? The one on Monday, right? Because that's the original. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, they could do the same thing. It's like, you know, phony people putting out the good china, you know, for dinner. Well, it's good china when people show up in ties. But if the redneck cousins come over, guess what gets put out on the table? It ain't the good china. It's the replica good china, right? <laughs> the paper plates and solo cups. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's the same thing with the religious artifacts. You can't tell me that the Romans, when they sacked the city, walked away with all the religious artifacts. That's a bunch of bullshit. They walked away with replicas, right? Mm, could be. You know, well... So it's the same thing here. You know, I think yeah. the originals, you know, they might have been given back to the Pope to appease him so yeah. that he wouldn't slaughter all the Mi'kmaq, yeah. you know. But if the Pope rewarded them and the United States of America, the third paper that they signed in Congress was to give them this treaty, it must have been for something. So maybe it was for guarding the artifacts and the gold. Oh. You know, to me, well, that's a pretty good reason. So, well, Jeffrey, I want to thank you so much hey, for John, coming it's on. Always tonight. a pleasure. And uh, yes. my members, give him a nice shout out. Uh, he did a great job, and I'm always listening to you. I mean, you're just memorizing. Um, you always come up with new stuff, and mm -hmm. uh, I just keep on listening and listening and listening. And now you give me more questions than answers. It, but and isn't go, that Oak Island, John? Isn't that yeah, Oak yeah. Island? He, yeah. now, now I leave here saying, wait a minute. Yeah. How, what how answers many, did I get and what questions did I get? Wait a minute. Right. This, how many sounds, times did, this sounds like Oak Island. Yeah, how many times have you heard Rick and Marty go, well, that's interesting. <laughs> you know, yeah. A new yeah. thing that they're like, oh, my yeah. gosh. So this has been a very interesting evening. Yes, yeah. thank you very much. Hey, listen, Jesse. Good I, to meet I, you. And, uh, I, I, I enjoyed enjoy this very it, much. Guys, you know, I I stopped doing my show because it was either go big or stay home. You know, get mm -hmm. the studio like you guys have and, and all that. <laughs> like John stuff. has. I don't have that. I just yeah. uh, yeah. but, I got but a mic. That's about it. It, it, I, I was at a crossroads where, you know, I either got to really go after it or yeah. back off and it takes time to do the shows you guys know how much takes time and and i did this just off the cuff okay because you know this is i've been doing this a lot but you know for me to take two days to provide all the graphics you know i don't have two days anymore right, right. to do to do an hour-long <laughs> show i just don't have the time and, and no money in it right i mean yeah. you know in, well, the pay in my is fantastic. entire Oak Island career, I've made 250 bucks. So there's hey, no money that's up in TV. Though. Yeah. You know, so, you know, so it's like I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. I'm not as active as I used to be because, you know, I got to 
daughter that's 16 now and oh, you know boy. i get a, you know <laughs> life, life life is you know right. interfering with my hobby but yep. you know it's all good so i i appreciate the opportunity yep. to be on the show and and i love doing it you know i haven't had yeah, a we'll great have conversation come back about this yep. anytime anytime you you know anytime somebody cancels you can always call <laughs> on me so you know well, well john me. has been very he wants to keep this kind of thing going and have more guests come on so that i think it's fantastic i think the uh uh, everybody that's been viewing and that will watch it here uh, coming up will enjoy this very much. Very informative. And like I said, very good to meet you. I'm, I'm glad we uh, I got to meet you tonight. And uh, I know that the fans probably think so, too. And uh, you've added some really good, interesting things for us to all to chew on now. Yeah. Yep. Very good. Very, very good. And this whole studio is not that hard to put together. It's the technology they had to put together. But it's yeah, because yeah. of my members, Jeffrey. Yes, I never thought exactly. I would have... 60,000 members. I thought I'd just take a, cre- a screenshot, a screenshot, a screenshot yeah. of the, of the yeah. show. Yeah. But it got so big. I says, I owe my members something yes. more than screenshots and say, well, this is Smith's Cove. This yeah. is the money pit. Yeah. Nope. And this is what the members yeah. not and, made me do, but I enjoy yeah. it because this is what it came yeah. out to be. And John and, and, you know, I'll say it again. I, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart, you know, I remember the first day you asked and thinking, ah, just another guy wanting a, a group. And it's like, <laughs> I am so proud of the effort mm-hmm. and sticking with it. And I think you've done a, a, a marvelous job. And I think you've got a great group. I think you manage it well. You keep the naysayers at bay, which is yep. critically important. Yes, and I, I just think you've done a great job. And I will I, support you till the end of time. Seriously, you, brother. Thank you so much. I appreciate yep. it. You have a lot of you have a lot of people. I've been reading the chat. I've been trying to stay focused on what people yeah. have been saying tonight, and everybody's really enjoyed it. You got a lot of people that uh, uh, Janine and Annette, uh, Don. So many people are saying thank you for being here tonight and giving them all something to think about. So thank you yeah. very much. Well, you know, as here. as my final words all always are, may the curse be with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very okay, interesting. Guys. All right. I thank you, everybody. Yep. I thank everybody. Yep. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night. Good night.